Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the shores of Malibu where the waves are pumping to the Great Wall of China and back to the streets of Las Vegas, where the UFC is coming. We are live. This is It's Time Radio, the show we talk about what you think about but may be afraid to voice. Do not worry. We talk about everything on It's Time. Politics, UFC, film, TV, sex, drugs, rock and roll, you name it, we talk about it. It's No Holes Barred Radio. I'm here with my co-host, TJ DeSantis. And before we get started, TJ, I want everybody to know that this show is sponsored by FanDuel Sportsbook. Today's show is sponsored by FanDuel. This Saturday, it's Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier at UFC 264. And FanDuel is giving new users, get this, TJ, FanDuel is giving new users 30 to 1 odds on either fighter to win. (laughs) 30 to 1 odds. That's incredible. Plus, all customers can bet this fight risk-free. So get in on the action with America's undisputed number one sportsbook app, FanDuel. Just head to FanDuel.com slash Buffer to get started. Get with FanDuel today, folks. They are amazing. But before we talk about how amazing FanDuel is, how the week was and everything else, we have somebody amazing for the show. Somebody I've wanted to have on the show for a very, very long time. You all know her. You all see her at the UFC events. None other than Megan Olivier. Megan? Hey, thanks for having me, Buff. Oh, very cool to have you on. So good. Oh, you're there. You're in Vegas. You're relaxing. You're in your hotel. and. I'm actually in in the office um, inside the apex right now. So oh. it's uh, we've we've kicked off fight week pretty quickly this morning. <laughs> I, I was gonna say, Megan, like you can't really be relaxing. It's fight week. You might you might look like it's all chill, but like <laughs> it's got to be the craziest week of the year thus far. Yeah, you know, there's just a lot of moving parts. And when it's a big show like this, there's additional elements that come in. And so it, it's really about being able to maintain a schedule. I think that's that's what also, you know, Bruce can attest to this. When you have so many things going on and you see the organization doing so many different things, um, it's all about being able to keep that rigid schedule and treat every single thing as the most important thing of your day. Yeah, I think in broadcasting, too, there's some sort of like after a while, after you've put enough time and there's sort of comfort in that chaos. It just becomes business as usual, I think. A thousand percent. It was so funny. I was just telling my husband that this week. I was like, no, I I like like this. I feel like I perform better in these types of uh, circumstances than maybe a more chilled card. I don't know why that is, but I, I prefer this type of um, element for work. It's just it's a really fun atmosphere. I think it brings out the best in all of us. And yeah, it's it's a great time. And it's it's cool to feel like you're a part of something special. You know, it, it, it makes you feel special as well. You know, what you're saying is, Megan, is you love the pressure. Right? Absolutely. That's hey, correct. Wait, yeah. What do they say about pressure? Doesn't it make diamonds? I think it does. Exactly. <laughs> they say it's what they say, but who knows? I mean, it all depends who you're giving the diamonds to. Very unless, true. Very unless true. Unless it's cubic zirconium. We don't want making cubic zirconium. <laughs> and we don't talk about that. We don't talk uh, about that when we do it. We just 
maybe we don't do that. Never mind. I'm going to be quiet. So, you know, Megan, with this fight week going on, you know, we have the much anticipated trilogy between Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier. We're all very excited about that. Um, I never pick winners. I always say, may the best man win, may the best woman win. We'll go over your picks a little bit as we go on, but I think just due for this card with fight week, with everything happening, you know, when we think back on individual experiences with Conor McGregor over the years, I, I want to share with you one experience I had that I've talked about on the show. Conor's evolutionary process to where he is today is obviously very amazing. What he's done with his brand, what he's done with himself, where he's gone from 180, 120 uh, euros a month in welfare or uh, work compensate, whatever the term is over in Ireland to making tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars being involved in all the businesses he's in. I always remember the first time we went to Dublin, Ireland and I saw Conor McGregor. I had no idea who he was. He came up to me at the railing had, didn't have a beard, young kid, 19, 20 years old. Hey, Hey, Bruce, Bruce, my name is Conor McGregor. I'm going to be champion someday. You're going to be announcing me. Remember my name always blew me away. And then he walked in the octagon, maybe two years later or whatever it was. And I was just like, wow, this kind of intestinal fortitude, this kind of foresight into his future. And I realized immediately what I say about certain fighters, as I say about interviewers, commentators, analysts like yourself, some people have the it factor and some people don't. I think you have the it factor, Megan, for what you do. But when oh, I look thank at you. No, I do. I really do. Um, and I just, I'm, I'm a fan. So with Connor, that it factor was evident. And we only see that come along every few years, you know, whether it's a Ronda Rousey, whether it's a Conor McGregor, whether it's a John Jones making the positive and negative choices in his life to maintain that it factor, whatever, as with Conor McGregor. But I'll never forget that day that I, I met him. And it's just like, wow. You know, and now whenever he, somebody comes up to me and says that to me, I try to remember their face because you never know if I'm going to see him again. It's so about. true. Yeah, it's so true. You know, what's funny is, is I was trying to think of like a, a story like that that stood out for me as well. And I remember, do you remember the, the show we did in Boston? I think it was our first FS1 show. And Boston is such a Irish city. Okay. And um, I, Connor, I think that was his US debut for us. And we, you know, he had his own open workout. There was already quite a bit of hype behind him. But I remember him coming into the hotel lobby and he had like 20 bags from designer stores. <laughs> and I just remember thinking, he's already spending the money. He hasn't won yet. And, you know, I worry about how our athletes, like, I want to make sure that they're set for life. You know, they're doing this very hard thing and that they're smart with their financial choices. So I'm like, oh my God, he's already spending this money, whatever. And I just remember like, okay, no other fighters buying all of this designer stuff. You know, he was not yet, uh, the Conor McGregor that we know of. I, I believe he fought Max Holloway on that card. And I just remember he kind of had this strut through the, through the hotel. He's wearing sunglasses. He had like six people helping him carry bags. And I thought, okay, either this is going to like crash and burn terribly, or it's going to go amazing for him. And certainly it was the latter, but I kind of remember that as like my standout moment of Conor, like, oh my God, nobody's doing the designer thing. Nobody's shopping yeah. during fight week in that capacity and nobody's spending money before they had it, but he, he did it all and it worked out. Yeah. That story, Megan actually underlines, I think one of the, the nicknames that sort of gone by the wayside with Conor, that the mystic Mac moniker, because he seemed to be the only one in the room that knew something that 
you know, I, I'm not going to say that he was this underdog that no one gave any sort of credit to because we all could sure. see his his skill. But the fact that he was doubling down on this sort of success before he actually attained it actually is more of a testament to the fact that he seemed to be the only guy in the room that knew exactly how it was going to play out. And if you want to call, you know, that calling your shot, going up to buffer, going, look, I'm going to be a, a big deal. Remember my name. And then, you know, getting to the UFC and living that lifestyle. I mean, he's truly once in a generation type of uh, personality and fighter. Yeah. And you know what, Bruce, Bruce gets, Bruce is a, is a movie star. Like I hope people know <laughs> that what it's like for him at these events, like he is just, swarmed he has so many people who are just dying for a second of his attention or a photo with him and I think it also says a lot about Bruce that he remembers right. that moment and he that that stayed with him so it says a lot about Connor to that he made that sort of impact on a person like Bruce who sees a thousand people a day and truly gives his his attention and his full heart and capacity in, in every interaction but I think it's, it says a lot about both of them and I just want people to know like Bruce is inundated with love from fans but he he doesn't take it for granted and it's nice to see how kind he is to each person he comes across. Megan, thank you. Thank you for your kind words. I appreciate it. You know, I come from the school of never forget where you came from, right? And I'm still the same person I've always been. I treat everybody with respect the way I want to be treated and I'll never change. It's just the way it is. And no matter how you cut it, Megan, these UFC fans are spending their 69, 79, whatever it is this weekend for the pay-per-view. This is a lot of money to spend 12 times a year much less oh, yeah. and, and to be the incredible fans dedicated to the sport they are. Um, it's one of the reasons I started that site that I started called millions.co teaching fighters how to brand themselves and, and athletes how to brand themselves. Cause like yourself, I mean, I want to see these fighters make a million dollars every time they put their blood, sweat and tears on the line or something that's close to that. They deserve it. And anything I can do to help them and support them, I'm going to, you know, when you, when you look at Connor, you see his evolutionary process. And let's take even Dustin Poirier. Look at his evolutionary process. I mean, Dustin Poirier is a fighter who's been around for longer than most fighters can even dream of fighting. Oh, yes. You know, and he had a, a documentary done on him even like seven, eight years ago. And now he's fought for the championship and he's in a trilogy with the biggest money paydays that he can probably ever dream of coming his way. It was so well deserved and everything else he's another fighter that we have to look at and say this guy has actually gotten better in the last couple of years in the latter stages of his career it's incredible yeah i think oh you guys God. will uh, agree with me it doesn't matter if you're a fan of dustin or connor you can't deny both of their stories like whoever yeah. wins if you look at what they've gone through and where they've come from you have to be uh, not not necessarily a fan per se but you have to appreciate their stories and their backgrounds Oh, for sure. I mean, they both come from very humble beginnings. And I think if you would have told their, you know, 12 year old selves what their future would be like, I think it maybe would be hard for them to believe or or at least envision getting to that point. And I think they have a lot more in common than maybe uh, they want to admit at this right. moment in time. And I do think that that will probably unite them at some point down the road. But I, I, I agree with you. And I think, you know, it's what Bruce touched upon, I think oftentimes gets forgotten is that longevity in this sport is such an accomplishment, whether you capture gold in that time or not, it, it, it doesn't take away from the fact that if you can be at the top of the game for five, 10, 15 years, that's mind blowing because 
people don't do that in other sports right. and to do that in an individual combat sport it is an accomplishment that should not be swept under the rug or, or made light of it's it is a massive thing and bruce i mean from the wc days we remember dustin uh, dustin poirier walking out there and everybody being like who's this skinny kid from louisiana and uh you know from that blue canvas to where he is now and the biggest paydays of of not just his career but probably some of the biggest paydays in the sport thus far. I think it's really incredible. And again, like an accomplishment that should be praised regardless of, you know, whether he wins the trilogy or whether he holds, you know, the unified title or whatever it is. It's that's, that's almost harder. <laughs> well, well, one thing that you're hitting on Megan, and I think is, is sort of forgotten. It's called prize fighting. They obviously fight for prizes. You want the, the, uh, you know, precious metals and gems, but at the end of the day, if a fighter can carve out a legacy, it means that they've had a long run, even if uh, a belt uh, eludes them. Someone you're very close with, obviously, is Joseph Benavides. Joseph is one of the all-time greats for what he's done in his durability, in his longevity, yeah. and maybe he doesn't ever capture a UFC belt. But the fact that you can't talk about his division without talking about Joseph Benavides, fighters would dream to be in that position. No, oh, thank you. Well, Joseph is a gatekeeper. You know, absolutely. Everything you said is correct. You know, Joe Gatekeeper, you're in that division. You got to go through Joe. Right. And, and that's you know? another moniker that I think sometimes people think is a disparaging remark. But if you are the litmus no. test of whether or not you can hang, you're pretty damn good. And if you have a win over Joseph Benavidez, yeah. it means you're pretty <laughs> damn good. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think it's also special. He did it in two weight classes and 100%. very similar to Dustin Poirier. I mean, we remember that first fight in this trilogy was at 145 and look at the impact they both made in that division. And now we're seeing this one at 155 and they could both potentially fight for the title there. I think, I think when you, when you talk about athletes to be able to say, Oh no, they did this division, they did this one or they're right. in this long. There's so many additional factors we always need to hold in high regard, I believe. Yeah, like, I mean, there are chapters. That's what you want. You want chapters to your career. You don't want yes. just a run. And uh, yeah, there, there are a handful of uh, men and women that have been able to, you know, write books. And, you know, uh, obviously Poirier and, and McGregor are going to add that final chapter to their trilogy. And like, do, do you guys feel how big of a deal this is? Because when I got on the ground yesterday here in Vegas, it was it was palpable. I don't know if it's just because it's, it's the first show in, in Vegas that is you know, more normal after the pandemic, yeah. but like there's a, there's an energy here wherever you go. You know, I there's an energy every, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead I'm sorry. No, there's an energy, you know, UFC fight week. There's an energy that's uh, unsurpassed, you know, versus the other fight situations, even coming out of the pandemic, the way we are, but you know, this fight is so big. I mean, you got to really look at the fact too, that I don't know how many Irishmen have made it over with the COVID travel and everything because usually we have a ton that come into town for conor mcgregor hey th there's a lot of out. people that had like a great 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 grandfather be irish <laughs> and they're claiming they're irish so trust me there's plenty of irish on the ground i'm sure there is i'm sure there's irish boots all over the place um you know with that being said one thing we're not missing but i want to touch on here dustin's fighting for family pride the want to have the belt around his waist again, of course, the biggest financial payday of his career, I would assume will be Saturday. Connor just sold his liquor company, uh, proper 12 for 600 million, which I hear through the grapevine is about 200 million to his end and constituents, give or take the millions that he's made elsewhere, the millions he made with Mayweather. So you got to wonder what is the motivation and the motivation is personal pride when it comes to Connor. I mean, he doesn't have to fight. No, right. 
He doesn't even have to fight for a championship. This is an example of a man that has a strong brand coming in that just pre-sells itself and draws the biggest numbers usually for the UFC in every aspect thereof. So you have to ask yourself, what is the motivation? You wake up and you're worth, you know, three, $400 million, whatever the situation, a hundred million, 200 million. Right. How much motivation do you have to get out of bed and go and, and get your head beat in for the next six hours? Or just cut weight. You know what I mean? You look at your bank account and be like, really, do I need to cut weight? Really? That's probably the hardest part of it. (laughs) So let me ask you, Megan, break down the fight. I mean, I'm going to say, may the best man win. I can talk on paper uh, analytically, you know, what what I think is going to happen, but can you talk about how you see this fight panning out? Yeah, I mean, I do the same thing as you, Bruce. I never want to make a prediction because I I also find that to be disrespectful in my position because I want to treat everyone equal before and after that fight because being so close to it, being married to an athlete, I also think there's not winners and losers. It's the person who got their hand raised and the person who didn't on that night. Um, And so for this matchup, you know what? This is what I think. I think this is interesting because they're both taking this approach as if they've never fought one another before, even though that, that second fight was just six months ago. I think it is so intriguing that they're both expecting such a fresh matchup. They're expecting a completely different fighter to be standing across the octagon from them. Certainly Dustin Poirier is expecting Connor to have a game plan for the leg kicks. He even said that he believes Connor is going to be the one throwing more kicks in this matchup. Um, I think that there's always um, takedowns as a weapon for Poirier. It'll be interesting to see, should we get to see some grappling from this? I think, Connor has a lot more to offer on the canvas than we maybe hear in the narrative. Um, But I do think that this is going to be completely different than those first two matchups. However, that doesn't mean that if they see an opening, they're not going for the kill and we won't see a big left hand or a big right hand land and then try to finish in the first round. But I do believe there's an evolution of their martial arts skills and the fact that they want to mix them up. Dustin even said, let's make this a five round war. Um, And I I do really believe that this is a fresh approach to a third fight, which is usually not the case. Um, normally it's okay. We know what they do well. Those first two times we're going to prepare as hard as possible. And, and now we're going to be, now we're going to be ready for that specific set of tools that they have. I really think that these are two of the best mixed martial arts in the world. And I think they're going to mix it up. Let, let me ask both of you this question because right. uh, I think this is the real big thing for me and why uh, I lean towards uh, Dustin being the, the favorite. Momentum is a very big thing in, in this sport. And when you look at, you know, the three fights, the the gaps between them, this is a pretty quick turnaround between chapter two and chapter three. The, the way that the, right, the, one, the way that the fight ended, I think negates a lot of people's uh, opinion of, of what Connor did early in the second fight, because Connor had success, but he, he obviously didn't look, you know, great uh, the way that it ended. Um, Megan, would you say that this fight happening as quickly as it is, does that benefit Dustin or does that benefit Connor? Well, I mean, traditionally, I would say it would probably benefit who got their hand raised the first time. Um, however, I think we're excluding a huge X, X factor here, which is the crowd. This is a sold out True. capacity show here in Las Vegas that is traditionally Conor McGregor's town. It's like his adopted hometown here. And I think we can we can see all of this in preparation. We can see whatever training they put in or whatever momentum they may have behind them. But when you're in that building and the buzz is absolutely absurd, you know, I think that there that's that's an extra 
component to this matchup. I truly believe that. I'm not saying it only works in one way because it can also right. be a huge motivator for the other side. But I do believe that that's also something to strongly take into consideration. There were some fans in Abu Dhabi. I know that, but it was very limited capacity. And I do think that there's something to be said about what is going to be uh, in that building, the energy that we're going to see on Saturday night. The crowd will be deafening for sure. That's a great point. The, the crowd's going to be absolutely deafening. It's going to be, I mean, I'd be surprised if you can even hear me. When I start announcing, you know, the fire. Oh, they can hear you, Buff. I promise. Oh, I'll be roaring extra loud. Trust me. I'm, I'm training. For the, I'm training for this fight like a fighter trains for a fight. I've got a two-hour session here right after the show. That's I why love we it. love you. <laughs> I got to get an announcer, Wade, Megan. I got to get down there. You know, I love it. Um, got two pounds to go, Megan. Two pounds. To go. <laughs> I got more than that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we just have a little card that just came up. One thing we did not discuss that I think we need to discuss about what could be a big factor in this fight. And that is cardio mm. past round three. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, cardio. here's the question, guys. For, for Connor, did he gas or did he get beat up in the second fight? I, I think it was think more damage. I think it was damage. I don't think it was cardio. I think he really worked hard on his cardio. He's probably going to work harder now, but I believe it was damage that did that won that fight. What about you, Megan? You know, I, I don't think that I don't think that either of them are going to allow that to be the determining factor in this fight. Right. There are very few things you can control in a fight. And I that that's traditionally one of them. You can put in the preparation and make sure that, you know, 24 minutes and 30 seconds into a five-round fight, you still feel as good as you did at minute one. And I think there's such professionals with so much on the line that that is the one thing that they can really make sure they control. And I believe that that is going to be pretty even on both sides. Um, I, I really do. I, I would be very surprised if we saw one gas out later in the fight. Now, again, taking into consideration damage and things like that, that's a different story, but in just straight cardio, I really believe that they're, they're going to do whatever it, it takes throughout the preparation for this to ensure that that one thing they can control does not fail them. I agree. And with everything we're saying, I get back to the intro I made with FanDuel. They're giving new users 30 to one odds. On right, they're both underdogs. They're both huge underdogs at FanDuel. Uh, huge underdogs. Like 30 <laughs> to one odds with all the information we're giving out here. Uh, toss a coin, folks. Toss a coin. Bye. I love that. FanDuel's just absolutely killing it. Um, speaking of cardio, I got to go put mine to use. I'm actually being told I have to go interview Dustin no, you at go this do your moment. Thing, Megan. Megan, it's a true pleasure to have you on the show. I love you guys. This is this <laughs> is brilliant. I just I, I need to just as much as I can publicly say how much I admire you and, and love working with you, Buff. It's truly an honor to watch how you conduct yourself. Thank and you. Um, thank you for having me on this very special week. And uh, I hope I hope everybody enjoys all of our fight content this week because we're, we're working hard for it. <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be awesome. And we're going to title the show this week, Beauty and the Beasts. That's the title Let's of go. <laughs> Wait, who's the beast? Beasts. Oh, beasts, like plural. Okay. All right. Because yeah. we're very different beasts, Buffer. Very yeah, different. Okay. That's why I call it beasts. We know who the beauty is. All right. All right. Okay. Megan, take care. Have a good Megan, show on Saturday. Bye, guys. See you Have soon. A great See ya. Bye. Thank you. Truly one of the best in the business. She is. There's no question. I uh, I haven't been able to uh, talk to her about this, but you know I'm a broadcasting nerd. I've, I've done this since literally uh, a child. Um, what she has done with uh, the, the ESPN uh, integration where she will walk towards the octagon while the other uh, while a fighter is actually making the walk and she's giving stats about a fighter and she stops right when the camera can just transition from her to the athlete making the walk. 
it is it is something that to me is is really groundbreaking a lot of people it's lost on because you're not watching you know fights for that but uh she is such a a, a camera presence that you, know, you call about or you call it the it factor bruce uh, she definitely has it. it yeah she's got it i mean you know you're talking about a girl working a lady working in a man's world right I mean, and, it's 100%. It's, it's broadcasting is a very male dominated, very male dominated. She is now doing NFL. I mean, she's branched out. And the right. reason that she's branched out is because she's great at what she does. Well, that's the thing, too. I think people fail to realize and there are a lot of people uh, like this in, in, in mixed martial arts, especially that there are broadcasters that come from the broadcasting world. There are MMA personalities that become broadcasters. Um, you know, for me, Megan has, has transcended mixed martial arts. And you mentioned, you know, working in, in football. And uh, I believe that she could cover any sport in the world that she wants to. Oh, I think that, uh, you know, I always mention the evolutionary process. Pay attention to the evolutionary process of, of Megan Olivier. Uh, it's, there's more to be done. Much more to be done. Future is bright for sure. Yeah. So let's let's go back to the fight card here. Just a quick mention, a couple of fights. You know, we got Gilbert Burns and Stephen Thompson going at it. I mean, that's a main event. That's a main event. Uh, Thompson, you know, one of my favorite fighters to watch fight uh, with his traditional karate style mixed with the mixed martial arts. Um, it's almost like karate mixed martial arts, however you want to put it. But very distinctive style. Very Anderson Silva like at times. Very. It if, if he wins, Bruce, that would be a really interesting matchup with him and, and Kamara Usman. Oh, my gosh. I mean, really interesting. I got excited just even hearing the possibility right. thereof. But, yeah, I mean, no. he's got he's got one of the toughest dudes in the division standing in front of him. Well, you talk about a gatekeeper. Gilbert Burns is a gatekeeper. I mean, yeah. please. You have to fight Gilbert Burns. There's no question. No, yeah. Uh, I was, uh, you know, talking to Dean Thomas last week. I was surprised at how complimentary Dean was. Uh, of Gilbert's, you know, chances of, of possibly getting back into a, a title fight with, with Kamara Usman. I mean, oh, he was firm about that. Yeah. And, and we'll see, you know, how that plays out coming up on Saturday. But uh, I, don't get me wrong. You can't say that that Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier isn't the fight that everyone is looking forward to on Saturday. But if there is a runner up, if there is a true coming event, which obviously this has that tag, it, it's this like this. This fight has so much on the line for both of these men. It does, but, you know, there's other fights that have a lot on the line here, too. Obviously, the co-main event we just talked about, you're absolutely correct in what you said. But then you look at uh, two strikers that are going to go at it that may never wear gold around their belts. But, you know, again, people are going to have to go through them in the heavyweight division. And Tui, Tui Tavasa and Greg Hardy going oh at my it. God. Uh, the, the roof of T-Mobile is going to get blown off in that one, I think. The roof of T-Mobile, I wouldn't be surprised if the gate of the octagon breaks open when one of these monsters hits it. I mean, this, yeah, this is you know, be... in, in pro wrestling, they used to say that the guys were so big they had to reinforce the ring. They might have to do that to the octagon because when when they hit the fence, they might just go right through it. I have worked shows in my past years where it's happened in cages. I know. Not, I know. not a very pleasant sight. Trust no, me. it's it's a very awkward experience, too, because you're like, awkward. wait, what are we going to do now? The yeah, cage exactly. is broken. And then you've got in the bantamweight, you know, on the main card, you know, you've got Yana uh, Kutsakaya and uh, Irina Aldana, right? Yeah. Uh, former Invicta FC champion is Yana, uh, former Invicta title challenger, uh, Irina Aldana. 
this is a, a fight that is, is very interesting because they're they're similar to one another with their mixed martial arts uh, approaches. But Arani Aldana has a pure scientific approach to boxing that is uh, unparalleled, uh, I think, uh, in, in the division. She trains with a, a team in uh, in Guadalajara, uh, Team Lobo, which is uh, also where Alex Grasso is from. Their uh, boxing uh, striking and style for mixed martial arts is is truly unique. And, you know, Yana's a, a good uh, striker, but we'll see if she can, you know, stand in the pocket and actually box with, with Irene. And Irene has kicks as well, so it's not just straight hands, but uh, I, I'm really excited for that fight. Yeah, Yana's on a bit of a roll, but, you know, she's going to have to get in there and get close and take her down. So Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, Yana has a lot of power, but uh, Arene has volume and just an overwhelming uh, sort of uh, boxing output that, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not comfortable making a pick in that one. I think it's that close, uh, but I, it's going to be one of the better fights of the night for sure. Absolutely. And then Carlos Condit and Max Griffin is the last preliminary fight before Dude. the main card. Dude, like, I mean, Carlos, like, it's 2021. Carlos Condit's still going out there and putting on shows and the biggest shows of the year for the UFC, taking on one of the hungriest athletes you'll come across, Max Griffin, uh, a father, uh, I, I think, for the first time going back to February. Uh, so he, he's got a lot of motivation for, for himself, his family, his legacy. And when you're standing in front of Carlos Condit and you're hungry, this is the biggest fight of Max Griffin's career. Agreed. And another fight, I can go through all these fights, but one fight on the first batch of prelims, which I don't know if it's on Fight Pass or ESPN, is Jennifer Maya and Jessica I. Right. How is this a prelim? This is a co-main event to any Again. you know ESPN Plus card there is. So, it, yeah. How about Amari Akhmadov and, and Brad Tavares on the I first mean, four fights? Credit to Mick Maynard and, and Sean Shelby for what they've done, because the way that you look at it, and you mentioned the early prelims and the prelims and the pay-per-view, every single portion of this broadcast has a main event to it. And, uh, you know, obviously Poirier and, and McGregor is going to be the big draw to the casual audience. But if you invest any time watching this event and any portion of the event, you're going to watch world-class mixed martial arts. And, and that's something special. Agreed. Agreed. Well, hell of a show, hell of a week in Vegas, lots going on. Um, very happy the way they're progressing with, uh, the COVID protocol. And uh, again, we're in a full arena. Um, Speaking of COVID, as we go through it, you know, some stuff in the news, you know, the COVID thing is changing every day. This Delta variant that's coming out. And I yeah. told you about a close friend of mine that was vaccinated, that got infected. And a lot yep. of, a lot of vaccinated people are getting infected. It's crazy in Brazil right now. It's crazy I'm in Brazil. My, pardon me? It's crazy in Brazil right now. It's crazy in Brazil. It's crazy. It's crazy in a lot of places. Yep. And I hope it doesn't get crazy here again, but it's, I'm just going to say this and not get too COVID crazy right now, but. The Pfizer vaccine, they're saying, which my friend had who got sick again, is not strong against the variant. The Johnson & Johnson now, which I got, they say is strong against the variant, but we may need a booster. You know, it's like it's changing every day. We're still the guinea pigs walking around. Therefore, right. I'm still masked. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't blame you. Um, you know, coming to Nevada, it was kind of shocking. I mean, you and I live in California where, you know, the, the mandates have been lifted if you're vaccinated, but still almost, I, I would say 85 to 90% of the people you see in public are, are masked up. That is not the case in, in Nevada. Um, no. I, I'm still, I, I, every time I leave my room, I put my mask on just out of habit because it's been 
normal. Like a year and a half ago, Bruce, I never would have ever thought that I would be reaching for a mask, but like, it's almost like a odd safety blanket. Like it's a security, it's a comfort thing for me a little bit. I don't know why that is necessarily. Maybe it's just because it's been the way life has been, but uh, it's my default. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I was supposed to, I was talking to Steve Aoki uh, about some stuff last week and uh, he wanted me to come by uh, the Omni nightclub right and i just don't want to walk in a nightclub i mean i understand it you know i mean i love standing up and just playing our song i mean doing my thing for the crowd but i can give it up i don't know well it it comes back to you bruce i mean you've said this since the beginning um you know you have always you know done sort of everything covid related with your mother in mind and uh you know that that is something that's very important to you right and and that sort of is, is a testament to uh, you know, you, you can only do so much. A lot of it is, uh, you know, the, the responsibilities of others and, and you try to do the best you can and, uh, you, you still might get it, but you know, uh, I, I have no qualms, concerns, uh, umbrage with you, you know, being safe, safe is yeah. always probably the, the best, uh, solution again. And I apologize to the fans are going to want to take pictures. It'll be from a distance. And, uh, I always say this and, you know, if I, this bump I'm walking out, then I'm purelling as I sit at the table. Anyway, right. I'm still following all the protocol, but let's just look forward to a great show. I'm glad everybody gets to go see it. Um, another big sporting event that happened. Wait a second. Work- you got to stop for a second. Like, we can't do this show for 13 years and not mention it's episode 500 until oh, yeah, like the halfway. Right. Yeah. This is, so, Bruce, like, you're, you're not going to get credit for this because there are so many podcasts out there, but there are not many mixed martial arts. And this isn't an MMA podcast, really. It's, it's so much more than that. But there aren't M- many MMA podcasts and combat sports related podcasts that reach this number. And you were one of the early adopters uh, of this, uh, you know, podcast platform, the, the show. I mean, it's, it's time with Bruce Buffer, but you, you say constantly it's time radio because when we started saying it's, it's time podcast, that didn't really mean anything to anybody. That well, wasn't knew what a podcast was. Right. When we no, started. No. And uh, just my hats off to you, Bruce. You've uh, been a trooper. It's very difficult to make it to episode 100, let alone to make it to that number essentially five times over. Uh, You've put in the work, Buff. You're uh, a pioneer in this game, and it's been a true honor to uh, sit on this side of the uh, computer screen and, you know, press the buttons uh, with you for, for 13 years. Well, thank you, TJ. It's an honor too. And happy anniversary, if you want to call it that, 500. You know, it's it's an honor to say that I, you know, I think back, I was one of the first, and I started one of the first mixed martial arts sites, right? Max Fighting. Fighting.com. Right? I, I was a visitor. You're a visitor. And uh, Josh Gross wrote for me, right. Tom Gervaisi, who works for the UFC, right? got the job as a result of that. And then took another step, one of the first podcasts that ever came out. And happy to say with our ratings, uh, we're in the top 10% of podcasts listened to, you know, around which, you know, is either low or high, because a lot of podcasts are lucky to even get a few listeners. Well, again, there are more podcasts than there are people on the planet, it feels like at this point. That's not true, obviously. But, uh, you know, everyone has a podcast, and and it's It's, very hard to stand out. It's very hard to stand out. So, you know, the fact that we do in all that time period, you know, having Joe Rogan on before he even started his podcast. I think you gave Joe Rogan the idea to start a podcast, to be honest with you. Might have been checks in the mail, but you know what? It's okay. I mean, he's paved the way for a lot of people and his podcast is number one at times, if not all the time. So, you know, good. for. I mean, you're not as early as me, Buff. You're not as early. I I was the third ever MMA podcast, but uh, you're pretty damn early. You're pretty damn early. 
Okay, that sounds good. Early to the race. I, I would say you're within the first 10 or 15 podcasts, like honestly, like, and that is like, I, I'm not sure how many MMA podcasts there are, Bruce, but I can tell you there are at least 2,000, at least. There's a lot. I get requests every week to be uh, interviewed and such, and I just don't have the time. Right. And, and, but this is one thing, too, that I will say about the It's Time podcast and why I hesitate to call it uh, an MMA podcast. Think about the uh, people that we've had. Well, the guests you know, we've had in the show. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, from from Brolin to Rogan to, Van Damme, uh, to Pete Barkley. Rose. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it just... It, uh, I obviously have, have worked in, uh, you know, a combat sports uh, themed heavy broadcasting space, but you have facilitated interviews with people that I never would have dreamed of being able to to chat with, like Jean-Claude Van Damme, like hanging out in the studio for an hour and a half, you know what I mean? And, and, and showing kicks with you, uh, you know, in, in the little prep area, like it's, it's been an unbelievable run. Uh, I, you know, I hope we make it to, you know, 5,000, uh, you know, but 500 is a pretty good number. And uh, it's, it's been a true honor to be along for the ride. Thanks, DJ. I appreciate your kind words. And I give it back to you, my friend. Cheers to you, partner. And it's not all about me. It's about us because we're both doing this and we're both taking the time needs to be done. And let's get forward a little more time here going over some news stories. Wow, 500. That's so cool. Um, Joey Chestnut. Yeah. Set the record. Nathan's I, I, hot dog eating contest. I interviewed him on my show, uh, extra rounds on fight pass. And he told me he was going to eat between 76 and 78. And, well, he uh, hit 76, right? He hit that low end, uh, low end record. I, 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 I asked him how many he could eat if given uh, unlimited time. Uh, he said in 45 minutes, if you gave him 45 minutes, he could easily put down 93. And, and I don't think he can, you know, physically put down 93 in 10 minutes. But uh, I expect Joey Chestnut to probably hit 80 before his career is done. Well, probably so because he increases every time. But there was a glitch on ESPN because when they were showing it, as he got to the record, the 75th hot dog or so, yeah, screen froze. No! The screen froze and time jumped and everyone missed him meeting the uh, the final hot dog. No! Yeah, it was a little glitch in the thing. That's terrible. Uh, hey, the this- The Fight Pass guys were talking about this too. Like, Joey Chestnut needs you to be doing his introduction like they do a good job over there they make a fine spectacle of it but joey chestnut is a slice of americana and he needs buffer bringing him on stage at the nathan's hot dog eating contest you know um one day it may happen i did have michael announce it yeah but we need you bruce like (laughs) uh, like i love michael don't get me wrong michael's the best boxing uh ring announcer in the business He's, he's super classy and super refined but no one brings the energy of Bruce Buffer. Thank you, TJ. Thank you. Keep buttering my bread. We'll, we'll go to, we'll go to a thousand. There you go. There you go. No, but seriously, Bruce, I, I I think that you would be great for that. I'm game. I'm game. I got a big announcement for football. I just, you've been teasing. You've been teasing. I'm teasing. I'm going to be on I'm going to be on the home. I almost give it away. Don't do it. I'll be doing doing, uh, the home opener for one of the most popular teams in the league. Not that the league teams are not all popular and I'll make that announcement once the deal is signed, but Get ready. It's almost time, people. It's, it's almost, almost time. time to walk into the NFL, and that's exactly what I'm going to do. Um, and with Megan on the side, would that be great if she was on the sidelines doing the interviewing while I'm oh, on the field? That would be that so be? awesome. Yeah. Be so awesome. All right, listen, a little thing that I'm not happy to talk about. It's very tragic, actually, but on July 4th, did you hear about this firework incident with the, that killed the NHL goaltender? No. Okay. What happened? Matisse, I'm going to say, uh, Kaviniak's. 
He's a goaltender for the Columbus Blue Jackets of the NHL. Yep. He died Sunday after a fireworks accident, which was at the home of the team's goaltending coach, right? Okay. So he's a coach, man. He's in the jacuzzi, if I have this correctly. All right. Right. And uh, he died from a fireworks mortar blast. Oh, no. So what happened is the mortar, fireworks mortar shot over the top of the hot tub where he was sitting, right? Yeah. And they were lighting off what looked like a nine shot mortar box. And at one point, the box tipped up the final no. two motors. No. Motors. He tried to flee, but the final shot hit him, appeared to hit him right in the chest. See, th this is the thing. Um, Wait, one more second. Yeah. They, the EMTs responded, right? He was taken to the hospital and he was pronounced dead. I, I love everyone celebrating and I, I don't mind fireworks, but there are these mortar boxes that uh, I'm sorry. Like I know in certain places you can buy them, but they are illegal for a reason because you need to understand so much about what it is that you're doing that when you're just doing it in the back, like, think about this. Why are you shooting mortars around people, period? You know what I mean? Like when we have professional fireworks shows, the, the stage where that is, is elevated and isolated and very, and you have to calculate wind and, you know, something like this, Bruce, where it's a box, you have to calculate, you know, the, the sort of base to it to, you know, that, that box is going to change its weight and its dimensions as it releases these things. Um, I, uh, I nearly blew up my aunt and uncle's house when I was in high school with one of those um, mortar fireworks. It was a stupid $150 firework. And I got so excited that when I lit the fuse, I knocked the damn thing over and I was too afraid to tip it back up. It hit the side of their window when it launched. It didn't break it, thankfully, and ricocheted and blew up in their side yard. But that was the last time I ever launched one of those fireworks. And I was like, you know what? Uh, I'll play with sparklers. I'll light the, uh, the fountain in the driveway, but I'm not a pyrotechnics uh, expert, so I should not be playing with those sorts of uh, things. No, I mean, we see it in movies, the World War II movies with the mortars, you know, when they... Yeah. What's what's the difference? You're you're firing a you're firing a propelling object, whether right. it explodes or it's a bullet or not, that object can kill you. As witness uh, Bruce Lee's son, you know that was uh, or rather the, the actor that was a blank that went into his yeah, head. Right, Bruce right. Lee with his. I mean, it's you're propelling a deadly object. Even even if you are an expert, things go wrong. Which, like, I'm not advocating for people to get in trouble, but like, no, like my neighborhood, Bruce, sounded like a war zone uh, on on the fourth and down here at the beach it was unbelievable they don't do anything about it like i i understand that you know police officers and, and sheriffs have other things to do that are probably more pressing than write tickets for illegal fireworks but there's no sort of discouragement from getting a little bit crazy when you know people in california cross the border into nevada and buy a bunch of crazy fireworks like they, there's nothing stopping them and we hear stories like this and unfortunately i think the people that partake in those activities sort of think oh well that will never happen to me and 99 percent of them are probably right but you know that one percent uh, they have an experience like this that is life-changing hey i almost had it when i was a kid i we would stand on the beach and one fourth of July, we had a bunch of M80s and I would light it, let the fuse go down and throw it. So it would blow up as to hit the top of the water. I right. was a couple of seconds away from blowing up part of my hand. Right. You know, it's, of course. And, and that, that was stupid of me. And yeah. I admit it. Dumb yeah. of me. A few other news stories. Let's go into here before we sign off. Uh, James Franco, the actor. Are you familiar with him? Oh, 100%. Yeah. 
Well, he, uh, back in 2014, he opened up a school uh, teaching students um, acting, right? Okay. And he was sued by a bunch of the students, accusing them for putting them in gratuitous and exploitive uh, sexual situations, which uh, that's probably tough. going over love scenes, whatever. Right. Because there's a fine a line there, right? Like if you are uncomfortable, you know, maybe maybe the scene's not necessarily uh, as gratuitous as you think. But if you're, you know, someone who's you know pretty reserved, it's hard. But also, too, at the same time, like that's not a sort of safe harbor to put people in situations that. Aren't yeah, I think it's a that, thin so. line because the students yeah. are not actually being paid or signed on to do, let's say, a love scene. Right. I mean, if there's physical contact being made between yeah. the students, I think that would be sort of where I would draw the line. Well, the line was drawn. He settled the lawsuit. Two point two three five million dollars. And I hate to say this, but, you know, when you're of someone of stature of James Franco, that may have been a settlement that was reached simply just because going to court would be more money. Oh, it's so yeah, of course, you know, without, so. without a question, it's low hanging fruit a lot of times. So like settlements don't necessarily, at least for me, I don't assign guilt or innocence based on settlements generally. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Now this new ruling with the NCAA to allow athletes to make money. Yeah. I think it's incredible. It's really incredible. And uh, at my site, millions.co, we've had a large amount of NCAA athletes that are signing up at millions.co. That's it's, unbelievable. It's, I mean, that's, that's right away. Like, right I understand away. what you're doing and, and, you know, how the mixed martial arts sort of world can benefit from this. But if anybody can benefit from this company, the target demographic and market, in my opinion, would be these collegiate athletes. Exactly. And to give you another example of the kind of money these athletes can make, Master P's son, Percy Miller, right after the uh, NCAA allowed this. He, he was one of the first ones to sign a, a uh, sponsorship deal. $2 million deal he got. $2 million. Wow. Uh, unbelievable. You know what I actually hope, Bruce? I, ha I hope that the ability to make that money will sort of change the landscape of, say, college basketball, where if you're a really talented college basketball player, you only play for a year which these teams don't have a lot of continuity from one year to the, the next. When they say like you're a, a repeating national basketball champion uh, team, the personnel is completely different. I actually hope that this will maybe allow some of these athletes to stay in college a bit longer, get that education and, uh, you know, not, not rush it to the, the professional level, you know, quicker than maybe they, they should be or, or need to. Well, it's like we touched on earlier with Megan and Connor, you know, it's the taste of money. Let's see what happens when they get right. the taste of money. Yeah. You never know. Uh, you might see people uh, doing the opposite where they decide to leave. They've tasted right. the money. They want more money. And but think, think, think about this. I remember um, Mellow Ball. He's a you know basketball yeah, player. Ball. Like like he was uh, playing in high school in the, the city that I lived in, in, in Chino Hills. Um, there would be nothing stopping him from doing something like this, you know, with his family, right? Like if, if he has a parent or guardian, he already had a brand, you know, I'm sure, I mean, granted LeVar ball was already pushing the, the big baller brand, but you know, it's someone in those similar shoes that doesn't have a father that's pushing a brand for them. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you would work with, with any, uh, level athlete that, you know, has that ability to draw. Of course. That's what, that's what millions.co is all about, you know, and just, and it's, again, it's doing great by them. It's awesome. Check it out guys. That's my show for the day. Right there. The, the website looks amazing, by the way. It's a, it's a great looking website. I'm just proud of it. I mean, I don't want to hear people say, oh, you're showing, you're making money, you're pitching. No, no. Well, you're a businessman, Bruce. I mean, I'm a you're, businessman. you're, you're you always, know? you know, you know, pumping your projects. 
Well, yeah. I mean, that's the name of the game. Do you expect right. people to show up at your door? Or do, you, do you do you tell people what's happening? To Bruce, I'm a broadcaster. I already talked about my show on on Fight Pass in this show. It's that's it's it. all part of what your duties are. You know what I mean? So anybody says that I'm shilling or doing too much, they obviously have never sold anything. Or right. And you, you know what market. they don't have? They do not have a puncher's chance, Bruce. They do <laughs> not have a puncher's chance. All the answers and none of the money. I got it. <laughs> show me that with, bottle, Buffer. This with, is your with, se- we call this oh, a yeah, segue oh, with, in the business. That's Come right. On. Puncher's chance. Dustin Poirier. Conor McGregor, puncher's chance. There we go. All good. Listen, here's something really interesting. Yeah. Fourth of July was last weekend. Correct. All right. They actually, a, a couple actually found a copy of the Declaration of Independence in an attic. Get out of here. In an attic in Scotland. Okay. But was it the one, one we the, shipped to the king? Like what, one of what? the few copies of the Declaration of Independence was found in an attic in Scotland. It was just auctioned off. How okay, much? There were, all, there were only 201 copies made, but only 48 are known to exist. How much? Take a guess. See, my problem is, is, is this going to be worth less than a freaking, you know, rookie card of Tom Brady or something? I don't know. I'll say uh, $2 million. $4,420,000. Okay, that's good. I, I mean, that's, 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 that's a good amount of number. Uh, yeah, I like that number. That's good. Isn't it interesting that right around 4th of July at the Declaration of Independence? It's crazy how that works. But, I mean, uh, my my mother was like a huge garage sailor. And, and Bruce, she hasn't found necessarily something like that. But she would go to the the garage sales and and would find these bottles, like old Dr. Pepper bottles, that you think are just trash. They're worth a ton of money. Well, another thing that's going out at – expected for auction, you know, Oscars, past Oscars, the film Oscars people win. Yeah. We all know King Kong, but there were a couple of spinoff movies of King Kong. One of them was called Mighty Joe Young. I don't know. If I remember this. Him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the 1949 Oscar for Mighty Joe Young, right? It won uh, the trophy for um, best special effects. It won, okay. which is excellent. Those, it still stands today. Even the original King Kong right. is, is very cool to watch today. In my when, when you when you put yourself in the mindset of what they were working with, it's oh, out yeah. of this world. Incredible. I think it was Harry Househausen. I forget his name correctly. that did that. He would literally make the sculptures, film it, move yeah. it, film it, move it, film yeah. it, move it, film it. It's just amazing. Anyway, that's expected to fetch $500,000, that Oscar. I mean, it should. That's uh, that's a piece of uh, memorabilia that oh, without is one question. of a kind. Yeah, Yeah, without question. All really cool. All right, TJ, listen, um, I got to get ready for fight week. I got a lot of stuff going on here. I know. I you're so busy. Out. We're not even going to hang out. We're in the same city. Well, we technically I, live in the same same. I feel city bad too. because I'm getting nothing but calls daily. Hey, I'm in Vegas. Hey, I'm in Vegas. Hey, I'm in Vegas. Bruce, I'm the same. I'm not even nearly as popular as you. And apparently, everyone I know and their mother's coming to Vegas this week. It's it's crazy. And um, popular is just a term of endearment. Perception is reality. You're TJ DeSantis. I'm Bruce Buffer. Let's leave it at that. That is true. That is true. I uh, I hope to at some point at least see you in a hallway somewhere. I'll be around with a mask. <laughs> of course you will of course you will i uh walk around vegas on fight week but you know what uh, be there with a friend and we're gonna have a good time and i get i i've got this uh official uh howler head uh viewing party going on at the mgm grand pearl gonzalez and i are going to be there oh, uh, cool. doing our show I, I really would love for you to come there but I, there's no way you're going to make it across the street in any sort of timely manner but uh like i said hopefully i, I see you walk across the street saturday night what's that I wouldn't be able to walk across. The no, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So, uh, I mean, I'd send a car for you or something, but you know, it's all right. People listening understand what I mean by that. It's not an egotistical statement I'm making. No, no, it's true. It's true. It's true. No, I mean, that's, that's the thing too, Bruce. I think people fail to realize what it is like to be, uh, 
the 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 sort of celebrity level that that you are you know when you're in southern california you can live a pretty easy free life but you cannot live that life fight week in the fight capital of the world there's no way tough one tough one a very enjoyable one i'm going to be roaring like crazy i can't wait to get in the octagon and let's just have one hell of a night it's going to be awesome all right tj let's sign off yeah, uh, uh, like I said, everyone, uh, please uh, check out if you're in, in Las Vegas and maybe you can't get into uh, T-Mobile, you can come hang out with Pro Gonzalez and I uh, will be over at the MGM Grand for the Howlerhead uh, viewing party doing our show Extra Rounds, uh, which if you can't be in the building and still want to check out the show, you can watch uh, over on uh, UFC Fight Pass. Um, I think I'm going to be hitting the strip on Thursday or Friday with Chase Hooper doing some stuff as well. So uh, if you're in Vegas and you see me, say hello. I'm the guy that's pasty uh, wearing glasses. I look like this. Uh, would love to say hello. And uh, if you're a fan of its time, let us know. Sounds good. Well, you heard it, folks. TJ will be at a strip club when? I've never been to a strip club, Bob. Oh, you mean ever. the strip. Okay. Yeah, the strip. The strip. <laughs> well, if you've never been to a strip club and you want your first time, Vegas is the place to go. I, I mean, I maybe I, 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 I'm not, I'm not going with anyone other than you. So, uh, and that I, doesn't sound I like you're go going to, anytime soon. So I'm not going. I don't go to strip clubs. <laughs> not that I never have in my life. Trust right. me. Right. Well, I mean, I mean, I think never mind. I was going to say maybe the strip club comes to you, but we'll save that conversation for another day. No comment. Um, all good. Actually, I went with a friend who took me some 10 years or so ago. And, and when I was younger, I used to freak once in a while. I used to take my old salesman to lunch or whatever. But, right. Yeah, um, our mutual buddy John always wanted me to go, and yeah. I was like, nah, I'm just—I mean, he's—he's he's that guy. He's that. Once guy. I saw a camera phone come out, I was done. Oh no, yeah, that's yeah, that's not a place you want to be with camera phones. But all, all kidding aside, everybody enjoy Vegas. Whether you're going to the clubs, where you're going to the dance clubs, where you're going anywhere, it's a city that has everything for everybody. And of course, now this weekend has the UFC, Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier, and we will see you from the Octagon, TJ. Happy anniversary, 500 shows. Wow. 500, man. 500. Unbelievable. Uh, I'd be lying if I said I thought we'd make it to 300. So 500 something special. That's very cool to have Megan share that moment with us. All right, TJ, I will see you hopefully in Vegas, um, at least to say hi. I will see everybody else from the Octagon. All I can say is, uh, everybody, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. 500 shows is a milestone for us. And please subscribe hey, to our show on, on YouTube. Let's make plans. Let's figure out a time. Um, I'm vaccinated. I will get a test. I'll come to uh, Casa de Buffer. Maybe we'll get Brian there. I'll bring this footlocker of a Done. shit ton of cards, and we'll open it up and realize that it's only worth 75 cents. <laughs> but I think that would be a fun show. Done. Just name the day name the time let's get it done let's stop talking about it and let's do it i'm i'm waiting for for brian to find something that's worth four million dollars in his collection because i see his photos that he's posting all the time this this dude is crazy incredible. it's incredible it really is yeah all right everybody collector talk news talk ufc talk megan talk you name it we talk see, about not everything. just an mma show buff it, no, we're lifestyles that's right lifestyle show with mma injected that's all right good. all right everybody set your goals write them down learn about them so when you step on that path you can be the best you can be and by being the best you can be then you're winning and that's what we're all about on it's time radio i will see you saturday night from the octagon in las vegas for ufc 264 conor mcgregor dustin poirier and a bunch of other fine fights what a night of action this will be and i am ready to roar king and bay is putting together well actually i'm picking it up today my new tuxedo for the evening Ooh. i can't wait to see it excited i'm excited too all right 
Big cheers. No fears, everybody. Enjoy your week. See you Saturday from the Octagon. Buffer out. TJ, happy 500th anniversary. See you, Buff.